talk a lot about him well at least a little bit on episode 46 of the all new sports show the podcast welcome once again uh to this little podcast that we do every week that is myself edward green joined as always by my colleague wes bradshaw our producer desmond mcmanus and you are listening to this podcast as it's being presented by ngsc sports and you can find them at ngscsports.com where at NGSC Sports, we never stop. And if you want to go to their website right now, you can go check out the Big Board Top 50 NFL Draft Prospects. With that NFL Draft coming up in just a very short time, I don't know exactly when it is. I assume it's soon-ish, unless they've stretched it to like July or something. I don't I don't know if they did that. I know, I know the NFL wants to be a year-round thing now, so I mean, maybe they did that. Uh, but, it's the NFL. <laughs> but there you go. I mean, we'll, we will have a NFL story later on in our podcast today. As we, we, we do like to have a dumb NFL story of the week, and uh, we got one. Of course, this dumb NFL story shows maybe how smart one of their now former players actually was. Yes, exactly so, one So player. unfortunately, now they've lost this guy, so they just got dumber. Yes, the average IQ has shrunk a little bit. Um, but we got plenty to talk about Uh we have so much sports to talk about, especially soccer, BPL, Champions League, Europa, Classico this Sunday, uh, and much, much more. Uh, we'll also have plenty of college basketball to talk about as we are doing this podcast. I have Dayton, Boise State on my iPad, uh, and we are watching that as uh, they try to play in to the NCAA tournament. That's cute, Ed. You're watching, you're watching basketball. I personally... Have the replay of Dortmund Juventus going in the background. Oh, that's nice. You cannot because I'm a fan. Man. Have you seen Pogba get hurt yet? Yes, I shrieked. Oh no! Openly, did awful. you did you not know he had gotten hurt, or did you know? Well, no. All I knew were outcomes today. Uh, since since these matches were played today, of course, I was at work as they were being played. I then had to immediately come home and go to ten year old baseball practice. Of course, uh, to to teach the youngsters of. Uh, Edgecombe County, how to play baseball like the youngsters of Nash County played for years. Oh yeah, and used to dominate them. So you know, I'm having to I'm having to reteach a culture here. Ed. <laughs> um, so I just got home, uh, let the boy run through a 30 minute version of Raw this week. Nice. And uh, got the boy and the girl asleep in bed, and uh, had to turn on me foot. Oh. Well, you mentioned the Raw. We'll be getting to that, of course, later on in the podcast as we do So Raw and Watch 4 to end it. Uh, also, uh, we're going to put ourselves over real quick. We are at All New Sports Show on Twitter as the collective. Individually, we're at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. On Facebook, we're All New Sports Show. Instagram, we are at All New Sports Show. YouTube, we are the All New Sports Show. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. And mail us your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. 
And um, before you're wondering, we know uh, we like to talk about sports. We also like to talk about other stuff. If you remember last week on the pod, we talked about the Oklahoma racist fraternity, and we talked about some other stuff going on like that. Uh, yes, we know that a very bad incident just came out of the University of Virginia a few hours ago that may further damage race relations in this country. Uh, and yes, we heard about the Penn State uh, fraternity scandal where a bunch of uh, terrible pictures of drunk women were taken. Those are horrible stories. We're not going to talk about them tonight. Go read them anywhere else and you will find more information. Do you have about a link them. to those horrible pictures of the drunken girls? No. Because we are not those kind of people. That's right. I'm above that. Yes. But, I mean, you know, if they do need an extra investigator, I may be available. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, but, yes, yeah, so bad stuff going on again at Penn State and again at University of Virginia. Virginia not having a very good year. Not uh, good on the court. Not so much outside the court. Um, but we're going to head to the pitch right now as we head straight. Um, well, actually, Wes... I will give you the option. Uh, our teams were not involved in European competition, but I'm no. still going to give you the option. Do you want to start in the Champions League? Do you want to start in the Barclays Premier League? Let's, uh, we are a Premier League-driven show, and uh, right now with so much fluidity as well going on in the uh, in the Champions League with our final eight being named, let's go ahead and start Premier League, and then we will wrap up our soccer talking about the uh, talking about Champions League. Hmm, fluidity, hey? You heard about Adam Johnson being reinstated. Oh, but, those, um, those, those fluids were not proven to be his. One million dollar bail. You freak. All right, uh, here were your Barclays Premier League results from this past weekend, and what a weekend it was in the BPL. Uh, Crystal Palace 3, QPR 1. Arsenal 3, this is a common score. West Ham, nil. Leicester, nil. Hull, nil. The Foxes get a real big draw against fellow bottom team Hull. Sunderland, nil. Aston Villa, four. Sherwood, in. Poyet, out. Gus Poyet, out at Sunderland after really failing to do anything with the Black Cats. And after they showed no threat, Johnson back in. Yes. It's in like Flint. Oh, boy. West Brom, one. Stoke, nil. Wes, we've talked so much about how West Brom is a tough place to go win a game. We were just saying last week how Stoke was a really good mid-table team, and they go and lose 1-0 at West Brom. It's the Hawthorns, man. You uh, you don't go there and get an easy one. No, you uh, really don't. You might go and get a win, but you're, you're going to have to scrap and fight for everything. Now, that said, they go on the road. We're talking a totally different deal, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, when you go there, man, no thanks. And, of course, uh, Saturday's result, uh, Burnley won Manchester City nil. Title race over, probably, this time, maybe? The 11th time this season. It's over. It's We're officially calling it. We're not going 12 rounds. This is, this is, this is like a presidential election. Uh, 3% of the precincts have reported, and it's over. And, uh, Al, Gore, and Al Gore has won the election. Uh, Brandy Max has won the election. Uh, <laughs> Chelsea, that's a Parks and Rec joke. Chelsea won. Southampton won. The Saints extract a little revenge on Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Everton, 3 Newcastle, nil. And Manchester United, three. Tottenham Hotspur, nil. And then on Monday, 
It was Swansea nil, Liverpool one. Six consecutive clean sheet on the road for Liverpool. First time since 1972. And only the third time in club history it's happened. The first two times both under the legendary Bill Shankly. So at this point, Brendan Rodgers has now succeeded in doing something that the immortal Bob Paisley with his three European championships, the immortal Kenny Dalgleish with his multiple league titles and perhaps greatest ever Liverpool team of 88, the immortal Rafa Benitez and his European championship, none of those guys were ever able to achieve six consecutive road clean sheets but Brendan Rodgers with a back three and Simone Mignolet has found a way to do it. You you are right. And it, this one this one was a little tricky. Uh, first 45, Swansea looked poised to strike multiple times. Uh, Goofy Sigurdsson uh, had a kick go just up to the top corner, which Mignolet had to parry away. Uh, a couple other shots, including one by uh, Bafatemi Gomez, uh, went towards the bottom of the net. That had to be... Uh, pushed aside, as well as John Joe Shelby having a free kick on goal off a corner that, if not for a, def- a maybe inadvertent deflection by Alberto Moreno, would have gone into the top corner. Instead, Liverpool looking ragged in the first half, Swansea, tons of invention, and in the second half, the narrative flipped, and it all comes together on a Jordan Henderson Maybe lucky 68th minute goal. That was enough to give Brendan Rodgers' side all three points at Liberty Stadium. A tough place to go and win a football match. Uh, Wes, I saw at the uh, at the end of the first half, Swansea had 58 percent possession. Possession. I speak English for a living. At the end of the match, Liverpool had 54 percent. Tell me how this turnaround happened. Uh, biggest, was a hairdryer involved? Uh, so much a hairdryer. I don't really see Brendan Rodgers. You know, obviously Sir Alex Ferguson, the uh, legend. So I'm throwing out the word legendary and immortal. The legendary immortal Manchester United manager, Brendan, uh, um, Brendan uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, Sub so Brendan Rodgers. What do you think about that? Um, he was known for the hairdryer, you know, and. Obviously, for those of you layman folk at home, that means he yelled a lot. Yes, he did. Uh, I don't really see Brendan Rodgers being quite that guy. Brendan Rodgers can get up your ass, I think. But I don't think he's one to just go in and just scream incoherently. Um, I mean, no biggest thing. They, you know, What is Brendan Rodgers known for? He is a tactical mastermind. And yes, I think at this point we can call him that. Um, because you've seen what he's done the last two years, and it has all been formation changes and doing this. You can say he may be a little stubborn at times to change, but when he does, he does great things. Liverpool, which have been playing a three at the back, almost five across the middle with the wing backs, mm-hmm. and then playing the um, three up front. Does my math work out there? Two up no. front. Two up front, please excuse me. Um, or one sitting behind the striker. Instead, what they did, because they were basically they were they were not being able to compete in midfield, Sigurdsson, uh, John Joe, Voldemort himself, um, those guys were bossing the midfield. 
So what he did is he switched around that formation, kept three in the back, but went more to a diamond in the middle of the field mm-hmm. and then put three across the top. Uh, or basically played a striker up top and two behind the striker, uh, but in front of the diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, what this did is this this freed up um, freed up Jordan Henderson to do some new things. Um, Alberto Moreno made a very nice play early to maybe take away a goal, but other than that, he he was not anywhere near his best on the night. Um, and he ended up getting subbed off for you know a returning Steven Gerrard. Mm-hmm. And it just, I'm not saying, you know, obviously Steven Gerrard didn't come in and change everything, but when Gerrard was introduced, that gave them a little more solidity at the back and it pushed Jordan Henderson forward a little more. And you can talk all you want, and I I totally agree, it was a very fortuitous goal by Jordan Henderson, but that goal was made, I mean, it was completely made on a hustle play. Mm Mm-hmm. Jordan Henderson didn't have to run that ball down. I mean, it was it was an easy back pass. Henderson Henderson ran it down and forced basically forced Swansea into a mistake. And I mean, you know, we talk about it sports all the time. Sports is a game of inches, and when you've got two teams who are playing an evenly matched game, sometimes it just comes down to whoever makes that mistake. And Swansea made it and. You know, that ball, another half an inch, that ball would have gone over. If if it hit him a little higher, it would have gone over the goal. If it hit him a little lower, you know, it might have kicked it right to the goal. But it it looped perfectly over the keeper right into the goal, and Liverpool had their one. Um, I personally was out of work sick on Monday, had a a really nice 24-hour virus that um, started around lunchtime on Sunday. And luckily for me, Ended just after lunchtime on Monday. Nice. I, hey, I was already called out for the day, so here we go. I get to watch Liverpool at four <laughs> here in the East Coast. I, I swear to God, I did not plan this. Podcast. I am sure you did not. I really did. You can you can ask my wife. She saw the results of the virus, <laughs> um, which has gone around our house. So. Um, but you know, luckily for me, I did get to sit back. I got to watch my Liverpool match, and for the first half, I was sitting there going, "Wow, I wish I was at work. This is crap." <laughs> Uh, but second half, they really turned it on. Once again, all kudos going to Brendan Rodgers with that tactical switch. Just totally flipped the game on Swansea. And once again, you know, arguably man of the match, Simon Minouet, who, as you remember, Ed, I've had nothing but 100% faith in mm-hmm. since day one of his goalkeeping reign at Liverpool. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I have backed him to be, you know, basically stat right up against Manuel Neuer at every turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't nobody go back and listen to like episodes fifteen through thirty of the podcast. Ignore ignore months um, September through December. Okay, <laughs> just just never happened. Never happened. Um, real quick before we move on from this match, uh, one name I noticed missing from the team sheet of Liverpool is a man who has been linked to MLS, to Italy, to everywhere. Besides Anfield, and that is one Mario Balotelli. Uh, just when it looked like he was starting to find his footing and Brandon Rogers' side. Well, now that was legitimate because um, he 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 actually had the same thing I did. Oh, okay. Um, he, he he missed work on the same day that I did for the same reason. Uh, he he was left home with a, a stomach virus. Mm-hmm. 
So it, it was not that he would not have made the team bench because apparently he would have, but um, he was home ill. So we have seen course. to see we have seen to see less of him lately. Yeah, and you know the the problem is coming out of you know Brendan Rodgers is one of those coaches. You know he, you know, obviously you know the Louis Van Halls of the world. Those are I, I see them. They are managers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Brendan Rodgers, I really see as more of a down in the dirt teaching guys. I see him as a teaching coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brendan Rodgers has just always held firm to this adage that if you don't practice, if you don't practice like you're supposed to, you're not going to play. Hmm. You know, you're not. You do not get in based on merit. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you don't get in based on your name. You get it. You do get in based on merit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't get in based on your name or your reputation. And Balotelli, yes, you know, he had those back-to-back games where he scored the big goal for us, and it was awesome. It was perfect. But apparently the lesson still has not sunk in that if you're not going to give – if you're not going to go 100%, if you're not going to do what you're supposed to do and what you're demanded to do, you're not going to play. And I just, you know, I thought there was a chance there for a renaissance of Balotelli, where, of course, I believe I sent you a uh, a text stating uh, the cop, the new cop legend. Yes, yes, you did. Um, I, I really, the more and more this goes, I just, I, I believe if Liverpool can find a buyer that are going to pay, you know, Liverpool paid £16 million for him. I believe if Liverpool could recruit 12 to 14 of that, that they would go ahead and just cut ties with him this summer. Um, it's an experiment that has shown good moments. I do think somewhat he got cheated a little bit by the Sturridge injury. Mm-hmm. So we never saw those two really get to play together, other than that one match where, of course, you and I watched. Um, you know, that, that Spurs match where Liverpool were rampant and looked looked like the team that everyone thought they were going to see all year from Liverpool. Uh, and they played fantastically together. Unfortunately, since Sturge has come back from his injury, he has he, he has not looked like the Daniel Sturge of old. He scored some goals, but you can really see that he's he's got to he's still playing his way back into full match shape. And also he's got to learn he's got to relearn to play himself back into the system because Sturge is like the ultimate you know, uh, maverick kind of striker mm-hmm. because he's so good on the ball. He's so quick. He can do so many different things. But when Brendan Rodgers got the best out of him, it was having him and Luis Suarez up front, and they fed off of each other, and he played within the system. Both of them did. And I really, really believe that if from day one, if Sturridge had not gotten injured on England duty, if he and Balotelli could have been together, I, it really would have interested me to see what they could have been. But I think at this point, Liverpool are just kind of ready to cut their losses if necessary. I, I think that's right. I think when when you started talking in your head, I uh, you started talking about how much you thought you could get back for him. I, I, I had 12 in my head. I think that's kind of the high mark. I might expect them to even maybe take as low as 10. Um, here, here's here's the thing about Balotelli. He's 24. Yeah, he is immensely talented. Yeah, it's true. If if you can sell the right director of football or the right manager on, you know what? He just wasn't really built for that system. 
And, you know, the English press, they give him so much hell. If we can get him back in Italy, <laughs> and, and there are Italian teams out there who are very interested in bringing him back. And in Italy, he is such a massive draw. And a lot of it, he, he's an extremely polarizing figure. Yes. Because yeah. you either you either love him because he plays for you, or you despise Mario Balotelli. And I'm not going to lie, until he pulled on a red shirt, I was in the I cannot stand Mario Balotelli camp. Yes. Um, I haven't totally gotten out of it yet, but. Uh, I've noticed. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of people in Italy despise him for many different reasons, some of which have nothing to do with football. No, no. Apparently, they're racist in Italy as well. Quite. So. Um, but, you know, I, for Balotelli, I'll tell you, really, I mean, I think an MLS move for him. Wow, I mean that would be just that would be transcendent for MLS. Oh God, yes, a twenty-four-year-old coming over here in the in before the prime of his career, an Italian superstar, starting you know the starting striker for the Italian national team, who to this point has played for four of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah. And is still only 24, has won a Premier League, has, oh, I don't know, he was not on that World Cup squad, but, you know, has been a fixture in a team that is a contending World Cup every year uh, and and may still be the most talented Italian player out there. And like you said, just hitting what should be his prime and is just such a complete, I mean, God, he is TMZ. Yeah. He's made for TMZ. He's made for America. I mean, he is he is the Italian Justin Bieber. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Would, be, it would be amazing to see him in America. That'd be fantastic. Um, I still think that's a long shot just because, you know, I don't know. I just still think Balotelli, somewhere along the way, this guy's got to want to prove that he's not everything they say he is. Yeah. But then again, I mean, maybe he's just to the point. He's like, well, I've been to England twice. I've been to Italy twice. You know, they hate me, both of them. What about this? What if he came and played three years for Orlando FC? He's 27. He can still go then go back to Italy. He'll still be in the prime of his career. You're not lying there. Um, and, dude, you know, the way American fans are, you know, there's obviously there's a difference in – American fandom and British fandom, you know, British fandom, they are so, you know, they, they, they like for their players to be, you know, players first and celebrities second. Mm-hmm. We're not quite like that in the United States. No, not really. <laughs> we, we love, we love when our celebrities can be athletes <laughs> and Mario is just so, he, he would just be so good as just a celebrity. God, I mean, could you see him on some like reality television? In this season on uh, oh, the Surreal God. Life, Mario Balotelli. What are you doing, Mario? Throwing flaming long darts into my yard. <laughs> so yeah. if he if he signed with Orlando, would we have to take an all-new sports show trip down to Orlando when the Galaxy came to town? Oh, my sweet God. Gerard would try to break his leg. Oh, it would be fantastic. Steve, you know, you bastard. <laughs> he just I'm going to break this guy's leg. <laughs> Stop it. Um, I just want to know if he would bring the statue of himself to Orlando with him. Please. Or if he was just get a new one commissioned. 
Please, 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 please. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I don't know how we got on a 10-minute kick about Mario Balotelli, but I, I never because mind. Because he missed a game with a stomach. Yes, that's it. Totally. Uh, but anyway, just finish up with Liverpool. Um, I mean, the, the, the next two games spell the season for Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, home to United uh, at the Emirates against Arsenal. Your two direct teams in front of you, if you win both of those games – you are at worst in a tie for third. Yes, yes, yeah. Because yeah, because they're three behind, three behind Arsenal. Yeah, three behind United, you beat United, you jump them. Even if Arsenal wins, you're three behind them. You beat Arsenal, you're 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 tied. You're right there, tied for third place. Yep. Uh, Rogers has actually made a quote saying, "I don't see any reason we can't finish second. They're four behind City at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every spot is now open except for basically first place." I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't see a way we're winning the championship, but um, I, I believe Chelsea has a nine-point cushion and a game in hand on Liverpool. No, uh, it's a it's uh, oh on Liverpool, yes, uh, yes, on it's Liverpool, a ten, yes, ten point ten point cushion game in hand, yes, ten point okay, ten point cushion game in hand, yes. So that's not happening, but I mean, there's there's nothing that could keep them from second place. I mean, if Liverpool find a way to win out, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, if you went out, you have because you have I'm gonna say eight games left. No, nine, nine uh, games. Yeah, nine matches. I mean, it's 27 points. You know, you went out, you you'd be at 81, which is about what you were at last year. Realistically, they may not have, they don't have to actually win out. Right. Uh, I think they need a result in every match, mm-hmm. and they obviously need to win. I say they need. I say to finish second, they need to win eight of those nine and have a result in the ninth. Yeah, probably. Um, which, of course, if if they did somehow win out, they would match. Well, no, they would finish one short of their win total from last year. Uh, for a team that was at Christmas was in dire straits, and they wanted to fire the manager. Yeah, you take it. I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Um, let's talk. Uh, Man United three, Tottenham nil. Uh, Man United running rampant on Spurs on Sunday. Uh, really taking it to them and and really just doing pretty much whatever they want for the first half, and then a s- sort of sleepy second half that didn't really see any chances by either side. Uh, it was basically a boring 45 minutes in a game that could have been called at the half mark. Um, disappointing result for Spurs. Uh, really, I, I I honestly think the the long season has finally started to grind them down a little bit, um, and and now I am just praying that. Um, one of someone besides Arsenal or Liverpool wins wins the FA Cup so they can take that seventh place Europa <laughs> spot away from us so that we don't have to do that next year. Well, you know, Ed, the last few years, teams that have finished just outside of the European places, you look at Liverpool, what they did a season ago, you look at United and thus far what they've done this season – you can definitely make an argument that those um, slim down fixture settings have have been huge for both of those squads. Uh, a year ago, obviously, Liverpool with Rodgers having a week between matches and you know being able to really teach his system that had Liverpool you know fresh and ready to rock and roll, where everybody else was having the European slog. Mm-hmm. Um, this season with United, they have not had to uh, they have not had any European. You know, um, responsibilities. Um, I think it's helped them just because it kind of gives them a week to recover all the time. Oh, yeah, and they need to. And 
for United, they're not a youthful squad like Liverpool were a season ago. Um, and they need they just they need the time to recover. And I think it's made it so they can get some guys on the field who if they were having to turn around and go to Munich on Wednesday night or um where where, where are some of the sweet places that uh, you get to go in Europa? You know these. Dinner Pro, Dinner Pro. Yeah. You know, on Thursday night and having to play on Sunday, uh, you know, you would not have the luxury of resting who you've been able to rest this year. So as, as much as you hate to say that you don't want to see your team in any European competition, um, maybe maybe for a year just say screw it. I want that extra time in between the matches. Oh, and certainly. And, of course, Spurs also having to deal uh, with a cup final run as well. And that's that's certainly taken their toll on them. So, I mean, they, they've been playing – they were playing most of the year with four competitions. Um, and that's – well, I guess I guess really most of the year with three because FA Cup doesn't start until kind of late into the year anyway. But still, at, at one point, Spurs were in four competitions, and now you're starting to see the effects of that. Um, they've they've – Lost two, one, two in their last four, uh, two wins against Swansea, QPR, uh, losses to United and Chelsea, um, and this is just a team that's it's just continuing to grow. I I know a lot of people are mad. I didn't I didn't particularly like the way our team played. Uh, I thought our third goal was given up because Nabil Bentaleb made an incredibly stupid pass in the midfield when we were already down two nil. But they're young kids. It happens. I still believe in the system. I still believe. I nothing that game did nothing to change my outlook on the season where Champions League was a nice dream for a while, but never probably realistic. And is why I would love to not play Europa last next year for the exact reasons you were just saying. To be able to have that time off to cultivate these young kids who are still young kids. Uh, most of them, Ryan Mason, Kane, and Bentaleb, and to really, to really continue them in their growth as players and have them adjust to playing this kind of full schedule, I think would be really good. Um, again, I, you don't want to miss out on European competition, but it, it, it's just it's been proven now, and not just with Spurs, but with Liverpool, with with uh, Everton, certainly. It, it and 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 they've done uh, they've done research on teams from before this year. It's not conducive for your Premier League season to go play in Europa. So, and I mean, you know, you can always sit there and make the argument. Well, you know, what about the other teams who do well? And you know, I mean, there is always the argument of well, you know, uh, Atletico Madrid won it back to back years, and it's propelled them on to you know being a, a world power. And you know, Chelsea won it. And then Chelsea, you know, prepared them on the next year to winning the Champions League. Yes, there are those out there. And I do think sometimes we kind of make excuses for ourselves. But, I mean, it's just, it's such a hard thing to win a European competition. Oh, yeah. Yes, if you're going to guarantee me that I'm going to be in the final, sure, let's rock and roll and go yeah. for it. But, I mean, you know, as a Liverpool fan, you're telling me, well, there's a good chance you're not getting past Besiktas in the round of 16, or even 32, actually, that was. It's like, yeah. okay, that's fine. Just get us out of here. Yeah. It, it, it's just not worth it with, with the travel you have to do. I mean, you're not going England to France. You are going England to the far reaches of the Ukraine and Turkey. And yeah. it's it's just brutal. 
It's it's a brutal schedule. Um, one more match we're going to talk about on this Parkways Premier League weekend. Uh, real quick, let's discuss uh, the upset of the weekend. Burnley won City nil, and it's the time when when I'm I'm just. I'm just angry now, and I just I, I I want I want City to give up next year's Champions League spot. I just I want them to finish fifth now. I want them to finish in Europa because I'm tired of them doing this crap. All plaudits to Burnley. I, and you know we've talked about how much we like Burnley. And we want them to stay up. There's no reason on earth City should go to Turf Moor and not get at least a result. None. Well, now, <laughs> you know, we've jokingly said it this year. You know, Burnley, I believe now, a point back off the relegation, out of getting out of the relegation zone. And when you look back at the year, if Burnley survive, they took five of a possible nine points from a trip to City, home to City, and a trip to Chelsea. Yeah. They got five points, considering I believe on the season now they have twenty six. Uh, I'm pulling maybe the actually twenty five. Uh, twenty five, yeah. Okay, so that's um, oh help me do my bad math. That's uh, that's what twenty percent of their point total right now. Yep. Is that my bad math? Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. Five out of twenty five is twenty. Twenty twenty percent of your uh, of your point total has come. From the two top teams in the league, and you're a relegation uh, battler. Um, all it says to me, if, you know, Burnley are capable. They're just they're not that talented. Yes, yes. But if you don't take them seriously, they can they can give you all you want. Well, and that's not just that because I think I think Burnley deserved to win the game, but I I saw this and I I was listening to. Uh, Graham and Arlo uh, talk about it during the match. City just looked disinterested a lot of the match. They didn't look like a team that was trying to sneak back into this title race. And let's not forget here, if they had won that match, granted Chelsea would have game in hand, they'd only be three points back of Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, so City almost won. I don't think it's I don't think it's happening because you know obviously player salaries these days there's no real need for it. I mean, my God, it's almost it almost stinks of match fixing. Yeah. I mean, what the hell are you? You have a damn world class player at every position. Mm-hmm. At many of them, you're you're nearly too deep in world class players. Yeah. Well, I say world class. The problem, one of City's biggest problems, is that their top players are suddenly on the. They're getting on the backside of their careers. Yes. So they can. They do not anymore. They do not consistently give you this massive effort. But then, I mean, God, you've still got guys in their prime like Silva and Aguero, who can cover for those. Um. You know, Yaya is not what Yaya was two years ago. Um, Vincent Company, oh my God, he definitely is not what he yeah. was two or three years ago. He, wow, wow, he is really taking a nosedive for the worst. You know, their big purchases are not all panning out. I texted you today about Bonet. Well, I, I can't figure out Bonet. They're just—I mean, they just haven't played him. 
and I understand, you know, he was going for a good while with the African combinations when right. they bought him. Um, I know, I know it's different circumstances, but Bone for City has reminded me a lot of how uh, Liverpool have lose, have used Lalana this year. Um, and I know there's been differences. I know Lalana's been hurt, uh, uh, but that's what it's sort of reminding me of. But that said, also recently in the last month, Lalana has become a key cog. Yes. And, and that's the thing, you know, Lalana has become key because I, I think, I think first of all, he had to, he really had to get blooded in with that team. You know, he had, to, he had the injuries problem early. Um, and then, you know, when Rogers was having to tinker with everything, he was trying to figure out where, where, uh, where does this guy fit in? And I, two, I think for a while there, when Rogers had to, you know, when Rogers was basically fighting for his job, he went with guys that he knew and that he trusted. And now that things are going right, he's able to experiment more. And that's where Lalana has been able to come on. And Lalana's had some really good games for Liverpool. But right now with Bone, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, Pellegrini, I hate to say this, Pellegrini, has anyone checked and seen if this guy's had like a stroke recently? Don't, I mean, it's just like. Mean Pen, Man, Mancini? Oh my God. I mean, he just. It's like you just scratch your head at some of the things that he does. You know, um, and one of them is the usage of Wilfred Bonet. I mean, you know, I personally, personally, from what I know of him, I think a Bonet-Aguero uh, partnership, I think they look like they can play perfectly off of each other. For anybody listening, by the way, we do mean uh, Mancini, Roberto Mancini, who is the current manager at City. Um, no, he was like three years ago. No. He, he's the current manager at Inter Milan. Wait, who did... I said Pellegrini, Manuel Pellegrini. Wait, maybe maybe just, I'm... Just know, just know that I'm right here. I, it, it came through my headphones. You're good. We're good. Man, Man, Mancini and his okay. luxurious scarves. Okay, for some weird reason, I just had a, I just had a, a, a grand mal seizure. We're fine. Yeah. Well, well, hey, much like Pellegrini, so there you yes. go. Yes, yeah. Um, no, uh, the scarf left um, soon after Balotelli left. So. Yes, yes, I remember. I, for some reason, I, I thought you said the wrong name, oh, and okay. that made me go to the other one. I was like, no, it's that one. So that's why. Yeah. No, I remember. Yeah. He wanted to there fight you, Balotelli. I remember this. There you doubt me, but still. Um, but, you know, it's just he just makes really some head-scratching decisions. And it, once again, when you look at where they've spent their money – I mean, yes, they have spent a lot of money recently. Mm-hmm. Who have they really brought in that's improved that squad? <sighs> yeah, well, you know, a couple summers ago, or it wasn't this past summer that just had the summer before before they came and won this title. You remember they brought they bought like the three attackers. They brought uh, Jovic, Negredo, and um, Navas. Mm-hmm. You can't kill this Jesus. You can't kill this Jesus. Yes, only uh, which only Navas was uh on the seventeen or the eighteen when they went to uh, Burnley. Exactly. Um. Well, I, I believe um. One of them's hurt. Jovetic, uh, I think, is hurt. Well, Jovetic has been playing so, but Jovetic was a high-priced guy. They paid like thirty million for him, and he's just never done anything. But I mean, it's like they paid thirty million pounds for the guy, and he's they basically brought him in as like the fourth or fifth striker. Yeah. And then never gave him time, and he was like he was like a young kid who needed time and needed to bed in, and they never gave him time. They would throw him out there randomly in like a cup match and be like, "Okay, 
go prove your price tag for us. And when he didn't do it, the fans hated him. And it's, that's been a disaster. But, I mean, they bring in top players. And it's just like, you know, well, you've got to fit in. And I understand this, you know. You, you've got to fit in with what we're doing. And if you don't immediately come good, then we're done with you. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, and I know we keep coming back to Liverpool. I always do. But, folks, that's my team. And that's what I know the most. You know, with Rodgers, Rodgers spent his money this summer, and you know what? It was kind of like, well, you got them. You, you got to play them because you don't really have many other options. <laughs> so, therefore, he had to play them. So, he learned how to trust his players, and now they're paying off the trust for him. Well, what was your biggest excuse for the first 11 weeks of the season? You had to blood them in. Yep. And I was absolutely... Um, at this point, vindicated and completely proven right. You didn't think you were when we were getting close there. We were no, getting to December. No. You were like, no, I, I might have to hop off this thing. You, you, uh, you, I let you cloud my judgment knowing how yeah. right I was because was I'm always me. right. It was all me. And, um, you know, you, you, I, I let you cloud my judgment because my, my Reds weren't playing well. But yeah, that's the problem, you know. You've got to give guys a run of games. You've got to give them a chance. But I also understand City, you know, I've got another 30 million pound guy here who if you can't get it done, I'll give him a chance to do it. So, you know, it's one of those, there are a lot of guys who chase the dollars. Grass isn't always greener on the other side. Ask Scott Sinclair. Mm -hmm. Um, Ask a lot of guys. Ask Gareth Barry. Ask a lot of guys who have gone to Manchester City who were hot names and four or five years later, you're like, Oh, Oh, that guy just ended up somewhere else on a free or for this small price. Whatever happened to him? Oh, wow. He's still really good. It's because he's been sitting on Manchester city's bench playing nine matches a year in cup competitions. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. Uh, Let me, let me tell you, it's tough for these rich teams being able to buy so many players. Yeah, poor things. Uh, it's, re- it's really hard on those guys, so many quality players. But they just – they've had a really bad track record for guys coming through that they bought the last two or three seasons. Yeah, it hasn't gone well. But I think this is the perfect segue uh, to our Champions League coverage. Uh, we do want to mention, uh, though, before we leave the Barclays Premier League, uh, Chelsea, City, Arsenal, United are your top four. Liverpool, Southampton are 5-6. Spurs in seventh. Uh, Sunderland one point out of the relegation zone, Burnley in 18th, QPR in 19th, and Leicester in 20th. Uh, Your match schedule for this weekend's run of games uh, on Saturday at 8.45, City looks to get back on track at home against West Brom. If it was on the road, you might think they'd drop that one too, but they do get them at the Etihad. Uh, At 11, it's Aston Villa, Swansea, Newcastle, Arsenal, Southampton, Burnley, Stoke, Palace, Spurs, Leicester, and at 1.30, West Ham versus Sunderland. Uh, We'll see how Sunderland responds without Gus Poyet at the helm. Then 9.30 on Sunday, you said it, Wes, Liverpool, Man United, then at noon, Hull City, Chelsea, and QPR, Everton. To this point... I just I think to this point of the season that that is going to be the most important game played in the Premier League this year, just yep. because of where they are and what's at stake for both of them, and the way the microscope is on both of them. It's it's going to be a lot of fun to see. 
Um, let's get down to the Champions League, where your results from this week were Atletico Madrid 1, Bayer Leverkusen 0 in added extra time. They, uh, they tied on aggregate 1-1, Madrid won 3-2 on penalties. Um, Suarez with the goal in the 27th minute, that is Mario oh, Suarez Mata. Yes, it's not your Suarez, it's not Barcelona Suarez, it's Mario Suarez Mata for Madrid. Uh, otherwise, it was uh, Monaco nil, Arsenal two goals by Giroud and Aaron Ramsey. Uh, however, Monaco does advance 3-3 on aggregate with the away goal tiebreaker. Uh, Barca won City nil. Barca wins 3-1 on aggregate. Uh, Rakitic with the lone goal for Barca on the day. And my was it a thing of beauty, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then Borussia Dortmund nil. Juventus 3. Carlos Tevez with a brace as they break down the yellow wall in Dortmund. And they advance 5-1 on aggregate. Um, Wes, we were been talking about City... Uh, they they are down and out of the Champions League again. No, as Martin Tyler said on the broadcast today, no shame in losing to Barcelona, even in the round of sixteen. But Barcelona, it, it, I, I watched the first half and some of the second. It, it looked like a cat just playing with like a mouse or a ball of string. Like you knew eventually they were going to pounce, and they just they were just kind of toying with City for a while. Barca, Barca looked really good. And Messi looked really good, and and for him to he had assisted on Rakitic's goal, which Rakitic himself did a great job of receiving the pass, putting it down, and shipping it over Joe Hart, um, who did just about everything he could to keep City in this match. But for Messi to cross from maybe forty yards out of the box, not out of the box, but away from Rakitic, outside the box into the box from the opposite side of the field to hit him in stride. He's the best player in the game. Like, I i don't understand how this is still a question. He's the best player. I mean, he's... I think the only time people doubt that is when, you know, you know, after a while, you just kind of get bored. You, oh, you remember, we're, we're Red Sox fans. When the Yankees were winning every World Series, it seemed yeah. like... All we would do is sit there and just try to poke a hole somewhere. <laughs> Paul O'Neill's getting old. Yeah, he still hits 325 home runs, you know. Uh, well, yeah, but David Cohn stinks. Yeah, David Wells will win 24 games this year or something. You know, you try to poke holes when you got nothing else to say. But, um, I mean, Messi, it's just he's been so – he's been on such a different level for so long – I mean, it's just, it's inevitable when someone's that good for that long, you're going to eventually get sick of them and you're going to try to poke holes and you're going to try to say, oh, they're not that good. Yeah, they're good, but, you know, it's because yeah. of this or it's because of that. No, Messi's just that fucking good. Yeah, he's, just the things he was doing today, it was like, uh, he, he totally um, nutmeg Milner, I believe, on one, and they went to the halftime and Lawless is like, he was in perfect defensive position. There was literally nothing different he should have done there. But Messi's just better than him. And he just he just got right past him. And I've never seen I've seen people shoot through defenders' legs. I've seen people pass through defenders' legs. I've rarely seen someone just dribble through a defender's legs and almost immediately pick up the dribble, maybe 
three feet from the guy's back. Like, he's just, he's so good. And I tell you what, we, we were worried about Barca earlier in the year, especially in 2014, first half of the campaign. I tell you what, it's you don't want to overreact, but they 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 look good. Well, and and one thing for them, you know, it's all going to come down. I think I think in the Champions League, for them, it's going to come down to staying healthy mm-hmm. and their back line staying strong, because right now you've gotten to a point where Neymar, Suarez, and Messi. Are they have figured it out? Oh yeah, and they know what they want to do, and they know what the other one wants to do. And you know, it's like for a guy like Suarez, you know, people were saying, "Oh, he's terrible this season. He's only scored eleven goals. <laughs> he already has like more assists than goals." And if you look at it, he's basically worth a goal a game that he plays. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like every game he either scores or he assists. If you if you look at the numbers, so. You know, but but you know, just because he's not scoring thirty goals, they don't think he's worth a shit anymore. But you know, Suarez, for as much as we give him grief, and obviously he brings it upon himself, he is a world class player. He, he is a world class player who has gone somewhere and is playing with potentially the best player who's ever lived. Yeah, and understands. You know what? I'm amazingly good. But this guy is on another level from me. Yeah. And I'm going to defer to him and let's go win some trophies. Yeah, it's it's actually amazing to see how well these three... And, 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 Neymar, and Neymar, I think, has been the same way. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. These three players have just coexisted so well. And I mean, I, I, I know media tends to blow things out of proportion, but when you see... What's happening on in Madrid right now with Bale and Ronaldo and Benzema, and, and you see how those three are reacting to each other, and then you, you, but you never really hear that from Neymar, and you might hear Neymar doing something stupid. Like I think we had a maybe a month or two ago, he tried to he had a shouting match with a fan after a match. Mm. He might do something stupid, but these guys aren't doing stupid things to each other. No, no, they're not trying to sabotage each other. Yes. Now, early on, it was they 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 have had their awkward moments. Yes, on the pitch where you know Suarez was maybe thinking, "Hey, this is mine." When clearly he had an open pass somewhere. Um, you know, Neymar last year definitely had his growing pains at Barcelona, mm-hmm. but you know, since about the beginning of February, they have just they they have flowed like you know, like water from a gushing stream. And I mean, they've just, they've just been fantastic. They've been absolutely fantastic. And barring an injury, I don't see, I don't see their attacking group slowing down barring Mm -hmm. an injury. So if you want to beat Barcelona at this point, now, now don't get me wrong. I think there are definitely teams in this tournament left who can beat them. Yes. I think if they run into Bayern Munich, they they could find themselves in some trouble. Um, I think there are definitely teams who could give them a lot of problems. But right now, Barcelona are just they're playing they're playing as well as they have played in probably the last six seven years. Yeah, they they just look really cohesive right now. Everybody's just 
sticking to their role and they're doing very well. Uh, the eight teams left going to the quarterfinals, Atletico, Barca, Bayern, Juventus, Monaco, PSG, Porto, and Real. And I don't know about you, I, I was thinking about this earlier. To me, the eight teams left fall into three tiers. One is the top tier, and right now that's Real, Bayern, and Barca. And those are the teams that I think are, are favorites to win the Champions and League. Right now, I think Real is in that group completely based on their name. Right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and their talent level. Dog yeah. shit right now. Oh, yeah. That, that is purely on a talent. If they figure it out, they'll, they should be there. But, but on recent form, no. No, 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 no. But projecting, they should be one of the top three. Then I would have in a, a middle... What was it? Was it going to be a middle two? The mid-table. Yes, the mid-table was going to be, I think, PSG and Atletico, where I think they can challenge for the championship. Maybe even with a favorable draw going forward, they could win it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're just in that second tier right now. And then I think there's a third tier of uh, Monaco, Juve, and Porto, which would need all holy hell to break loose to win the Champions League. Well, I'm actually, I think there's a fourth tier, which is just Monaco by themselves. <laughs> because, dude, Monaco are not good. Yeah. I, I watched I watched 90% of that Arsenal-Monaco match sitting there last night. Mm-hmm. And I was how in the hell are Arsenal not just running these guys out of the park? I mean, Monaco is just, oh, wow. I mean, they've got a few guys. They got, um, you know, Jal Matinho. Um, uh, what's what is his name? Condogbia. Um, they've got a they got a good young player named I believe it's Condogbia, something like that. I mean, this is definitely not the Monaco that got into the Champions League. Yes, behind Falcao and James. Those guys are definitely not on this Monaco squad. I mean, yes, they play hard and they're, you know, efficient defensively, but I mean, they, on name recognition, they may belong in this final eight, but just the product and talent on the field, they do not belong in this final eight. Absolutely. It's Arsenal fans should be so sick to their stomach. It's not funny. It, 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 so it, it, it's definitely a missed opportunity. I don't know if they've ever had a better round of 16 draw than this. I mean, this was literally like – I mean, this is like losing to the 16 seed. The, Monaco, I believe, was seen as the weakest team in the field of 16. Um, I mean, maybe Shakhtar with them? No, I would, I, would, I would say – I would have said maybe Basel was probably the 16th. Well, as much I'm, as you I'm, hate to hear that because he yeah, knocked you out. No, 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 no. I know exactly where you're coming from. But, I mean, you know, at least Basel had a history of getting here. Yeah. You know, I mean, Monaco has been so mediocre for so long. They have one great year, and then they lose the two guys who made them have a great year. Yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, they're just there because they're there. Yeah. And, I mean, Arsenal should just be mortified. And it all came down to, you know, we'll get to it, obviously. It all came down to that third goal. Yeah. The third goal in, in London where they had just given up and just gave them a late, a late goal. Yeah, they, they were still – that was the interesting thing I thought about that one. If we go back uh, and rewind to the first leg where um, 
where was it? If I can find it here. Uh, yeah, Ferreria Carrasco scores in the 94th minute after Oxlade-Chamberlain makes it 2-1. to one. Um, yeah. Arsenal still still trying to press for, a, for a, a, an equalizing goal in the first leg at home, which I thought was really weird. I think once you get that first goal, okay, okay it's 2-1. Let's maybe just make sure that this is it because we know how important away goals are. Let's just defend for these final two or three minutes, and we know we we just need really we we need we know we'll need two goals in Monaco to win, and and two goals will see us through, and we feel like if we maybe change up our tactics a little bit, we we can go through in Monaco, and they did score two goals. I I I read I read a piece. Uh, it's actually ironic. Uh, Monaco actually. Or, Arsene actually set up Arsenal against Monaco, especially in the first leg, the exact same way he set up Monaco when he was the, their coach back in, I believe, 89. And, and they lost in the Champions League almost the exact same way for, for what he did. So it's 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 weird to see history sort of repeating themselves. I agree with you. Arsenal Arsenal should feel terrible that they're out of the Champions League. I I, I would have picked Monaco out of spite. But realistically, I never would have picked Monaco to beat Arsenal. Not in, not in two legs. This was finally a year. You know, you're playing well in the Premier League. You know, you're you're in the FA Cup semifinal. All they had to do was get to the final eight, and it would have been, this is progress. You know, okay, we're, you know, yeah, Wenger, give him another year because, man, he got, he got to the final eight. So maybe we're finally showing some progress. But now, I mean, God – I mean, and that's the difference between, you know, oh, let's give Arson another year to now the people are out there with the pitchforks ready to absolutely take his head off. And understandably so. I I think yeah. this was this was a one they should if if they, if they had been playing Atletico, if they had been playing uh, even Dortmund. Well, like the last two seasons, they had to play Bayern. Yeah. I mean, that's no tough. one expected you to beat Bayern at all. Um, yeah, like you said, if you're playing Real, well, if you're playing Real, if you're playing PSG, you know, if you were playing, you know, Lisa Atletico, Barcelona, okay, we get it, you know, it's what it is. But when you are up and down just that much more talented than the team you're playing against, that, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, all I can say with Monaco right now, how many forty million pound guys do they have on their squad? Not many. You know, if you're Arsenal, how many you know twenty five plus million pound guys do you have on your squad who are you know the next world class guy for England or you know France or wherever? You've got them. You've got great players. You've got two. You've got yeah. You've got two Germans who were on the World Cup winning German side this year in Murtasacker and Ozil. You know, you've got uh, you've got Giroud, but who cares? Yeah. You know, you've got great wingers. You've got these great midfielders. What happens? I, they blow it. They do. It's very Arsenal. It's very Arsenal. Uh, so the draw for the next round of the quarterfinals will be on Friday at about I believe seven a.m. Um, so we'll have that draw for you next week. First leg for those will be April fourteenth, fifteenth, uh, and it's going to be fun. We we have some good teams left. Of course, before we move on, somehow we somehow in the craziness out of these other teams, we have not talked about the craziest of all, which was the uh, PSG Chelsea match. No, we did. We talked about it last week. 
We talked about it a lot last week. Oh, God, that's right. It was last week. I, I watched it yesterday. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. Still still blown away. It's fresh to me, and I'm still... No, you, I remember you texting me yesterday about how the, the red the red on Zlatan was the worst you'd ever seen. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Okay, folks. Please excuse all. Well, you know, hey, you, you taught Mancini earlier. I'm talking PSG Chelsea now, so here we go. We're all having Grandma Caesar. It's fine. Oh. Um, if you had to pick, If you had to pick a favorite out of the final eight, who would you pick? Without and obviously this is without knowing the draw going forward. So on form, Barcelona. Okay. If I had to put my, if I had to put the deed to my house on someone right now, Bayern. Yeah, I think that's where I'd go to. But that's to and to me, Bayern is the safest pick. Yeah. But don't forget, I mean, they yes, they 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 had a sexy looking scoreline. They went into that second uh, leg nil-nil. Yes, they did. So, and they did not have exactly a tough competition. So, uh, I really, I really think, I think four or five teams could win it. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see PSG or Atletico win it. No, not at all. No. You know, and, and Real, obviously. I mean, well, the thing is, Real, if Real can just flip the switch and get going again, they will immediately become your favorite. But you wonder if it's just gotten too damn dysfunctional around there. Yeah, it's a little Miami Heatish. You you wonder if they they can it, still have that switch to flip, especially after playing so many matches the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, and that injury bug has hit them hard. Um, Ronaldo somehow is, you know, uh, being un Ronaldo. Well, I mean, he's still being an asshole and he's still a prick, but uh, he's not. Scoring is quite as freely now, so that 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 act kind of starts to wear thin. Yes, when the return is not forty goals. <laughs> yes, and also when you look frustrated when teammates score, doesn't doesn't usually come off as good. Yeah, so unless you're carrying them at that point, then you might want to tone it down some. Hey, Rod, oh, I'm sorry I didn't say that, did I? No, 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 no. Um, let's get you a Europa League update. Uh, real quick, uh, second leg matches are getting played today as you're listening to this, uh, so we don't have the results yet. We will catch you up on how and who advanced next week, and we'll also have draws for the quarterfinals in Europa, as Everton is England's last hope. Oh, God. <laughs> Everton, who are looking at the relegation zone, yes. are England's last European... I swear to God, I don't want Everton to... I want them to win Europa so bad. You know what I kind of want to happen? I kind of want them to lose in the final and get relegated. That would that would be the worst. Be that, like, that would actually be funnier. Never mind. <laughs> right? Like, like, they get relegated and then it's like, oh, but we have the, the uh, Europa final. If we do that, we can go to the Champions League anyway. And then they lose. Oh, I don't want Everton relegated. I would yeah. rather finish like 17th. There you go. There you go. Just to, just to scare the shit. No, we don't want Everton relegated. Yeah, I guess not. So, did we lose the Merseyside Derby? Even though that would immediately mean that Ross Barkley would totally come on the market. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're exactly right. I mean, there will be some really, really good players available. Because yes. you know Barkley, John Stones, Seamus Coleman. Yeah. Um, you know, Gareth Barry, those guys are like, wait a damn minute, I'm not here to play in the championship. Shit on that, I'm out of here, dude. So, we could, you mean we could sell Lloris and get Tim Howard? Do you really want to get Tim Howard at this point of the Tim Howard career? 
That's fair. You know what? You know what? Ugh. Fair enough. I mean, Tim. At this point, Tim Howard. Tim Howard is no longer a top five Premier League keeper. No. He's he's legitimately more in that twelve to sixteen category. Yeah. I mean, he, buddy, you talking about a switch flipping? That guy has just lost it like overnight. Yeah. So. Maybe maybe he'll be able to regain some form. Um, let's do a quick championship update. The Sky Bet Championship Football League thing. Sure. Um, Because it is actually a very tight race, especially up at top. Uh, Watford and Middlesbrough are currently tied for first. Uh, Watford has a one-goal lead and goal differential. Uh, Bournemouth just two points back. Uh, And then Norwich and Derby County are tied for fourth. And Brentford is in sixth. Uh, Ipswich just one point out. Wolverhampton just three point out. Petrovic. And if you're not sure how the uh, the championship works exactly, uh, the top two teams at the end of the year automatically get promoted to the Premier League, and then three, four, five, and six play a playoff. Three plays six, four plays five. Winners play at Wembley uh, for the right to be that third in what I believe has been called the richest match in sports. That's right. Uh, That's because right. you win biggest, Premier League money. Biggest money. Yep. Oh, it's the so biggest much fun. money riding on one match in football. Uh, so we will we'll be keeping an eye on that as uh, tw- the twenty four teams still look to move on in there. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, just saying, if Derby County made it up, mm-hmm. you imagine a Premier League with Steve McLaren as a head coach, yes. former yes. England, for- shamed former England manager <laughs> Steve McLaren in the Premier League. Holy mother of God! Yes, let's make it happen, Derby. Come on, I know Get you can do it. Derby. Nor- Norwich doesn't deserve to come back up so quick. No, no, no. It's on Norwich. I'm doing Norwich. Um, a quick FA Cup update as we move along here. Uh, Reading defeated Bradford City in their replay in Reading. Uh, so Reading will be taking on Arsenal <laughs> at Wembley. So Arsenal almost looks to be going forward to the final. But you never know. Maybe, maybe Reading has a bit of a surprise for them. And, of course, Liverpool is still waiting another three weeks before they yeah. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while before they head to Ewood Park. Yes, it is. Yes, My it God. Is. We, got a, we got a little bit of time. So everyone else will be in their position for over a month before Liverpool ever plays the replay. Yes. God help us if they tie again and have another replay. Because once again, those matches, they just keep going to replay. Apparently. No, no, they would... Certainly, certainly they'd go to PKs at the end of that one. I don't think so, Ed. I think they are so damn old school about this shit. Oh, no. Up until the semis, I believe you keep replaying. Oh, no. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, Semis are only 10 days later. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, we love the FA Cup for some reason. It's so important. Oh, it's very important. Also very important happening in La Liga, which I almost got into a Twitter fight about somebody today. Uh who claimed that it was the best league in the world. No. Uh, because, because oh, the Premier League... have the best teams at the top. He's like, oh, the Premier League being the most dramatic is is such a tired cliche at this point. I was like, screw off. Just... Oh, no. It is dramatic. No one said... I mean, God, the best drama comes from screwed up people. Yes. yes. I mean, Jesus. I mean, the most drama in any office is going to come up, is going to come from the people that you're sitting there like, oh my god, this guy again, seriously? Yeah. 
Well, that's the best drama. It doesn't mean they're the best people or that's the best uh, the best teams. Mm-hmm. It is dramatic. It's the most fun to watch on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, but heading to La Liga at four p.m. on Sunday is the El Clasico, Barca versus Real. Um, Barca looking to make a statement and grab a stranglehold of the top of the BBVA table uh, as they currently have a one-point lead on Madrid. Um, who do you think needs this one more, Wes? Real or Barca? I mean, does Barca need it to, to firm their grasp on the lead, or does Real need it for the good mojo going forward? They both need it to start with. They both definitely need it. Um, Real or Barca because they want to keep the form going mm-hmm. because they're, they're like Liverpool right now. They're on a really good run of form, and you don't want anything to interrupt that. Real need it. Mm-hmm. They need it because if they lose that match with all the shit that's going on there right now, that match could have the that match could have the capability of just being like the nail in the coffin. Like, all right, fuck it, we're done. Yeah. Oh yeah. This this could blow you, up the whole team. Yeah, you can legitimately see that happening, especially if they went and got beat like three nil something like that. And at that point, of course, you know, the fans will be blaming Ronaldo. Ronaldo will be blaming the defense. The defense will be like, you know, fuck you, score a goal. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, man, that, ooh, buddy. Mm. I tell you, if you want some headlines, you wait for a 3-0 Barca win, and it won't even matter what Barcelona did. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, yeah, Messi scored two goals. Oh, okay, that's cool. Let's talk about Ray Allen imploding. Yes. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers so, crossed. I, so I really think as well, I think there could be big-time Champions League implications that come out of that match going on in this year's Champions League. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, Real, if they get a bad draw and then they lose to Barca, they could, they could get knocked out. I mean, if they, if, if they win in, they lose to Barca, and then let's say they just happen to get drawn against Bayern uh-huh. in the quarters – I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what odds you'd have to give me before I ended up taking Real. Well, I mean, it just the, the way I see it, I mean, you know, if you lose that match, especially if you lose 3 nothing, 4-1, something like that, I just think your mentality shot. Yeah. It's just, oh, man, that could get really fun. I mean, really fun if they lose. We're hoping for it. Uh, <laughs> On the USMNT front, real quick, uh, Germany has invited Arsenal's Gideon Zalalem to the under-18 squad to do a little training uh, for them as they go to play some friendlies. So we're trying to figure out what this means. Obviously, Zalalem still trying to get approval from FIFA to become a U.S. citizen, therefore being on the USMNT. Uh, Klinsman actually still wanted him to come over, uh, maybe play in the uh, Under-20 World Cup in New Zealand, or even the Under-23 squad ahead of the 2016 Olympics, Um, and maybe even wanted him as he goes on this uh, European swing in the next month, uh, playing some friendlies. Uh, But it will not happen, if uh, I believe, if he accepts the invitation. So we'll see. We'll see what Zellalem decides to do. Uh, this is a, a developing story, although I don't think this really changes uh, whether Zellalem eventually becomes a U.S. men's national team player. Well, and just just the way you said that is, uh, I just wanted to answer and say, oh, so now FIFA's deciding who is and is not cannot be an American citizen. Yeah, basically. Oh, sip, 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 sip. When, when it when it comes to what, what jersey you can put on, yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
Oh, but it, just the way he said it, it's like, oh, wait, I can't be an American citizen now because yes. FIFA's yes. Absolutely. <laughs> this is why we need a new president for FIFA. Yeah. All right, well, that is going to do it for our soccer coverage for the day. I'm going to need a job in a few years. Thanks, Obama. Thanks. Yeah, then we can see, we can just take that right in. Well, thanks, Obama. Ah, oh, US, U.S. got put in the group of death again. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. England got knocked out on penalties again. Thanks, Obama. We knew that was going to happen. Thanks, Obama. Uh, Moving uh, to college basketball, before we do, we want to remind you this podcast is being brought to you by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. Go check them out where they, I'm sure they have much going on about the current men's basketball championship and maybe even some of the women's bracket where somehow we'll start the craziness of the seedings off. And if you follow the all new sports show Twitter feed, you may have seen me go off Sunday night for a few times. Uh, Princeton in the women's game is uh, undefeated and somehow got an eight seed. I've seen that happen before though in the women's game. That's so weird. But it's what happens when you play a team who doesn't have a player over five eleven. Yeah, it's, it's just I mean, weird. And that's the difference in the women's game. The women's game, there are so many just really bad teams. Yeah. And now and now there's just one really good team. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. There's there's a there's a very tiny handful of just ultra elite teams in women's basketball. And then it's like other than that, even even like the good Mid teams, you would call them, mm-hmm. are just so crap compared to those big teams. It's not funny. Oh yeah, it's very, very top heavy, very La Liga in women's college basketball. Extremely, extremely. Oh. So, and, and you know what? Maybe this year, maybe it's even a little Bundesliga as UConn. It would be a a, a stunning shock if they don't win this year. Year, but uh, we'll we'll see about that. Uh, however, the men's basketball championship going on as we speak with the first four, Boise playing Dayton in Dayton, uh, which is one of the stupider decisions the committee came to. Um, I don't know how many opinions you had on it, Wes. Uh, if you want to go first, if you had any quibbles, any surprising points, any anything you the, wanted the to only The only point I have on it is, you know, I believe, and I, I've made this comment to you about high school playoff seedings in the past. Mm-hmm. I believe that teams who get into a playoff environment, um, I believe you should somewhat reward them and at least, you know, send them somewhere else to play. Mm-hmm. You know, let them see a different gym besides their own. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, yes, Dayton, I mean, it's kind of cool that, yes, you get to be the home team, you know, and play on your home court. But at the same time, if you turn around and lose that game, I mean – you know, in 20 years when you say, yeah, we made the NCAA tournament, oh, where'd you play? In Dayton. At home. Yeah. I mean, you know, wouldn't it just be kind of cooler for those kids to go to Charlotte? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And play in Charlotte or play in wherever else the first round games are. I just know Charlotte because I was looking tickets the other day. Oh, nice. Um, but, you know, I mean, just give them a cool experience at least. I mean, there's no travel. There's no, you know, getting on the bus. All right, guys. You know, don't come back. Don't come back home until you've won. You've won your sectional or whatever. I mean, there's no big send off. It's just, oh yeah, you know, I went to class today, and yeah, we got a game tonight. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So I just found that a little crappy. Well, I mean, whatever. Hey, at least they're gonna have a good crowd. 
Oh yeah, they have a really great crowd from what I'm seeing right now as, as Dayton currently down three and fighting back with two minutes left in the half. I'm sure the NCAA, you know, they're not they're probably not making any money off ticket sales for this, are they? No, not at all. When you consider that uh, you know, the other teams were Boise, uh, and then the first game today was between North Florida and Robert Morris. Uh yeah, I'm sure Dayton drew pretty well comparatively. Probably paying for itself, so <laughs> I mean it's to me to me this all could have been avoided because I don't feel Dayton deserve to go to Dayton. Uh, Dayton, and they, the fact that they were, and the fact that they were actually, it came out, if UConn had won their conference tournament, Dayton would have been knocked out of the tournament, tournament altogether. That to me was stunning. I thought Dayton was maybe at worst like a nine seed, maybe even a 10. And it's like, no, they were the last team in the field, which I, I was, my mind exploded when I heard that. This is, and this, of course, is all after I heard, you know, UCLA got into the field. Not just that UCLA got into the field, <laughs> but that they don't even have to go to Dayton. Like, UCLA was terrible this year. UCLA beat four NCAA tournament teams. They beat, um, they beat Utah at home. They beat Oregon at home. They beat Coastal Carolina, and they beat UAB. The latter two of which would not have gone to the tournament had they not won their conference tournament. Yeah, um, and I, I, I've actually over the years been somewhat of a UCLA homer for whatever reason in basketball, but even I can't look at this. No, this this was this was atrocious. I mean, um, you know, we, we were talking earlier about Arsenal fans being completely embarrassed for you know they should be embarrassed and pissed off for losing to Monica. UCLA fans right now should just be you know if anyone says anything. That's one of those, you know, you just kind of cringe your head down and you're like, eh. You're not well, wrong. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all you can say as a UCLA fan is, well, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't make the bracket. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of brackets have been filled out. I filled out a brunch. Have you have you done any brackets, Wes? Um, I have three to do tomorrow morning. Nice. Very nice. I, I've been very busy and I'm not done yet. I've got three to do. I've got one fun one I'm doing. I'm, I'm entering two in the uh, Bats, Bats, and Bell law firm uh, yearly bracket game, which last year I think I finished seventh in. Oh, nice. Out of about like 300. So That's uh, really good. Yeah, looking to, looking to see if I can make me a little, make me a little cashish. Did you know that uh, ESPN has a bracket challenge for their employees? And the winner gets fifty thousand dollars. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Found that out this week. If, if, oh, never mind. What I was about to say would have really, really been a little out of line. So I'm not gonna say it. Please tell me after the podcast. <laughs> I will. Fantastic. Um, well, before you fill them out, do you do you have any thoughts on who might you be taking into the final four and, and winning it all? Um, without looking at the bracket at all. <laughs> do you do you do you want me to send you a link to a bracket? Because I'm a professional <laughs> sports. Um, Absolutely. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a big limb here. Big mm-hmm. limb. Yeah. I'm gonna put Kentucky in the final four. Good call. Good call. <sighs> I know my heart's beating. Picking Kentucky to the final four. That was a tough one. Wait, wait, wait to take an undefeated team. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait to take. One of the most dominant teams I've seen in my lifetime. In the yeah, program. same people say the same thing about UNLV in '91, right? Um, yeah, they kind of. I'm, uh, I'm putting Arizona in there. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm actually pulling up a bracket right now. Fantastic. <laughs> what a podcast. He, he's West Bradshaw. He is nothing if not 1,000% prepared oh, for yeah. everything thrown his way. Absolutely. That's why Adobe Reader opens this thing. Of course it wants to go extra slow. Here we go. Um, Kentucky, Arizona, okay. They would face each other. Yep. We need, we need your South and East picks now. I really want to take Virginia, but how I, just, uh, I had this discussion today mm-hmm. that as good as they've been, I can just totally see them running into a game in the Sweet 16. You know, maybe against like a you know a, a, a Oklahoma or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where they just can't score enough points to win. Yeah, that that is a worry with this um, team. God, out of that group, I mean, I guess you, I guess you go with Villanova. I mean, they're obviously your favorite. Because I'll stick with Villanova. Um, and out of the South, um, let's get crazy. UCLA, nah. <laughs> Even though I would not be shocked to see UCLA make some sort of a run, just because everybody's pissed on them so bad. Well, this is this is before you before you give your pick, and it, maybe this will give you a chance to look yeah. at it a little bit. UCLA. This actually reminds me a lot of when VCU got in uh, three or four years ago, and they had their gigantic run to the Final Four. Yeah, and it reminds me what Jay Billis said when they were doing the, the selection show on ESPN. Yeah. Because he, he eviscerated the committee when VCU got in. He absolutely lit them up and felt VCU didn't deserve it. And to be fair, they really probably didn't. But at, once you get past that, it's like, okay, now they're in. We can't do anything about it. What are their chances going forward? I actually think UCLA can beat SMU. I don't think they will, but I think they absolutely could. Now, I don't see them beating most likely Iowa State. In yeah. the in the round of thirty two, I think Iowa State's really really good, yeah. um, but I I absolutely think UCLA can win its first round game. Um, and I mean you know that's that's just happens you know sometimes you can really get a team and, and here's the deal UCLA's talented, mm-hmm. they're just they're kind of one of those teams. It's like well they're talented but they're not always motivated. Yeah. Um, I mean if you give them a reason to be motivated and a reason that it's us against the world. Uh, you can see things from talented teams sometimes. You know, take that number eight seed North Carolina team that went to a Final Four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was talented, but just it, it wasn't clicking. And then suddenly they got in the tournament and it clicked. Um, I'm going to take Utah out of the South. Wow. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going I'm to stick with a little Pac-12 flavor. Uh, I think Utah is going to be the one to upset the Dukies. And I think uh, Utah is going to upset Iowa State and go to the Final Four. Nice. That's actually that's an interesting one because Stephen F. Austin is the very trendy 12 upset 5 pick. But it's one of those things, and I was actually listening to some people today. Uh, the problem with that is Utah's really good. Yeah. Even though Stephen F. Austin is also really good, Utah's are good enough where they could probably, yeah. if they win, they almost certainly could beat Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, if Georgetown even wins their first round game, and Utah could give Duke a lot of problems, you're right. So that's the problem with picking that 12-5 one. Even though it looks really good to pick, mm-hmm. if you're wrong, Utah could destroy your entire bracket. Absolutely. Let's let's see who my um, let's see who my 12-5 pick is this year. Um, 12-5. 
I kind of oh, like Wofford. I like Wofford. Now, Wofford over Arkansas. I like Wofford over Arkansas. Arkansas is so primed and ready to go lose. It's not funny. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I've heard a lot of people taking Buffalo over West Virginia. I, you can I, see that. West Virginia is a classic, classic NCAA choke team. Oh, yeah. And um, some people have also said Wyoming over UNI uh, over in the East. Uh, I, I think Wyoming is getting much better. They got one of their best players back. He was dealing with mono for oh, the yeah. late part of the year, so they were really peaking at the right time. But I think Northern Iowa is just really, really good. Kind of kind of similar to Utah, actually, where I think I think you and I could beat Villanova if they got that far. Well, I will say now there's one other thing about Wyoming. When you see a color base like Wyoming brings to <laughs> Oh, God. Buddy, you talk about the brown note. <laughs> the, <laughs> does it does it does it, does playing against a team wearing doo doo chocolate brown mm. just immediately make you just have to be like oh my stomach's hurting a little bit it's a little gross um I'll <laughs> tell you what I'm gonna take for my finals four I'm gonna take uh, Kentucky uh, uh, I would love to take Notre Dame I would love to take Notre Dame out of this region. I, and really, to be honest, I'd actually really love to take Wichita State out of this region uh, and have them beat them in the Elite Eight for revenge from last year. Don't think it's going to happen. I will take Kentucky. Uh, in the East, I will also take Villanova. I think people haven't seen Villanova enough to really realize how good they are. I think them playing Virginia in an Elite Eight would be a, a fantastic game. It's just it's because the Big East, you know, in the past with the Big East, you know, if they were thirty-two and two, everyone would be losing their shit about Villanova. Yes, because I, I bet some somebody would have tried to make an argument for them to be the number one overall seed. Oh God, yeah. Um, well, Kentucky didn't play, but they won the Big East. But the Big East is not exactly your father's Big East. No. So um, it's not yeah. your slightly older brother's Big East. Yeah, no, I mean, literally, this is you know, if you went to school this year, this is your Big East, but that's it. <laughs> um, so yeah, thirty-two and two is an awesome record in, in the Big East. You know, any other year, thirty-two and two, you're like, oh my sweet Jesus, they're world beaters. This is not quite the same Big East, but they are still they're really good. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, the West, I am also going to take Arizona, and in the South, I am going to take Gonzaga. And my and in my final, I am going to take Arizona over Gonzaga. Wow, I'm uh, I'm 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 going for history. I'm going to say Kentucky beats. Uh, I'm going to say Kentucky beats Villanova. Pair of ones playing each other. Yeah, I I, I don't disagree with that pick. Kids. Uh, by the way, you do realize that my Final Four is and yours have three Wildcats in them. Yes, yes. It's a very trendy Wildcat kind of pick. Wildcats. Uh, great mascot to have this year. Surprising. No one the ACC has it. <laughs> maybe, maybe to me at least. I think almost half the brackets they said on ESPN had uh, a Kentucky Duke final. Bleh. God. Do we just hate Duke or are we severely underrating Duke or is the public just vastly overrating Duke? Um well I, I do hate Duke. Um as do I. <laughs> I just Duke just seems lately to kind of have this this deal when they get into the uh into the tournament. It's always something. I think it's gonna be their free throw shooting. Yeah, Jaleel Oakford's not very good. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. When your absolute best player who you want to have the ball and dominate can't shoot free throws, that makes it tough. 
Um, they have grown up some this season. They've been really good since uh, they got rid of Suleiman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they were overly deep. Yeah. I don't think they're overly deep. That can catch up and hurt them. Um, Okafor, if you can get Okafor and, um, oh God, what's his, is it Winston Justice? Winslow. Winslow. Justice, Justice Winslow, that's it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm a professional. Don't don't be sorry. Don't be if sorry. You can get Okafor and Winslow in foul trouble, which has happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you take away a really big part of what Duke can dominate you at. And I just, I, I, I don't see, I, I see this, this is a good Duke team. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this is a vintage Duke team. Mm-hmm. They're really good. They're really good. I mean, I would not be shocked to see them in the final four by any means, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I just don't think, I don't think it's their year to go. I, I think you're right. Um, I would actually, and if, we were doing the whole thing. I would probably have picked them to go to the Elite Eight. But I think Gonzaga can not only play with them, I think they're actually a little bit better overall than Duke. Uh, I think Duke would have the best player on the floor, but I think Gonzaga actually as a team is actually a little bit better overall than Duke. And see, you want to talk about hate. That's oh, For me, and I don't know your feelings, but I cannot stand Gonzaga. Oh no! Gonzaga's Literally cool. because of one human being who you're gonna scared. you're gonna say Adam Morrison, aren't you? Oh God, it's so Adam Morrison. I, I just Adam Morrison's like Adam Morrison's in like my my starting five most hated college basketball players ever. So it's Adam Morrison and four Christian Leitners. Uh, Morrison, Leitner, Hurley, Thomas Hill, and um, and. Uh, Oh, which Dookie after that? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't throw like Vince Carter in there. Well, I, you gotta understand, I, I was raised as a child as a Carolina fan, uh-huh. so I, I haven't really found a loathing for Carolina until lately. And I don't loathe Carolina basketball. I laugh at Carolina basketball fans when they get upset. It's true because most of the ones I know who get so upset, you know. The only the only class they ever took in uh, in Chapel Hill was like maybe a driving class or something, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it made them eligible to play basketball there. But yeah. whatever. Um, but uh, let me see: Morrison, Leitner, Hurley, Thomas Hill, and oh man, uh, maybe Jeff Cable. Yeah, it's not bad. Or maybe JJ Redick. Uh, I'll, I'll go Redick. Okay, yeah, that's that's yeah. We'll go Reddit. Reddit was too damn insufferable. There you go. Um, so that's our picks. You can follow along as we burn our brackets uh, next week. Uh, let's go now to uh, some more college basketball news. We talked about Jim Beheim last week in his defiance of not going to the press conference, and Dayton just won the game. Uh, Jim Beheim will now be retiring in three years, and athletic director of Syracuse, mm-hmm. Daryl Gross, has been reassigned to a different position uh, in the wake of the scandal that has gone on at Syracuse and the uh, in the midst of NCAA inv- uh, investigation. Um in one hand, I kind of like this. Uh, you know, I think this is a nice touch. You know, Beheim, he goes out in three years. That way, people who are or ki- players who are freshmen now that he recruits can graduate through, and anybody else, you know, can know coming in that this is what's going on. On the other hand, only Beheim would do this, where he gets to pick when he retires, and it's like three years from now, so we get to have a three year farewell party. 
and the thing is, obviously, totally different things. You know, it's almost like what Paterno tried to do. Paterno's yeah. like, yeah, I know I'm under investigation and all this horrible things happen, but I'm going to tell you when I'm going to retire. And see, I'll give Penn State credit. They're like, no, Joe, you're <laughs> gone now. If Syracuse had a set of balls on them, they would say, Jim, we're moving on, buddy. That, I will say this, while that might be the right thing to do, that's not a set of balls. That's the biggest balls ever. Because you're telling the basically the one thing your school is known for, maybe even more than like Carmelo Anthony, it's it's Bayheim. He's the institution. You're like for 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 this, for for what is really just an academic matter. It's this isn't uh legal issues, this isn't anything like that, it's just that sort of thing. That would be that would be muchos grandes huevos, as <laughs> as we would say on the other side of the country. Well, it, uh, it would be an interesting one, but, you know, I just, I think at some point, you know, I mean, here's my deal. Okay, so you're saying I'm going in three years. Wow, if I'm recruiting against Syracuse, I know exactly what I need to tell him now. Yeah, that's like, true. He's going to be gone in three years. Oh, wait, now he's going to be gone in two years. He's gone next year. Really? Do you really want to go to Syracuse? I, I think he's actually putting Syracuse in a tougher position. I would not be shocked to see him leave before those three years were over. Uh. No, I, I I think it would be by his own accord. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked. I, I want to see what the blowback's going to be. Yeah, they're actually going to be having a press conference at 10 a.m. Thursday, so that has happened uh, between us recording this podcast and you guys listening to it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he has to say, and this will be his first uh, actual media appearance since, uh, obviously, as we talked about last week, the kerfuffle after his final regular season game against North Carolina State. Wes, let us go to the zeitgeist as we have our dumb NFL story of the week. Um, Which is actually the smartest NFL story ever. Yeah. Uh, Chris Borland, uh, rookie uh, or second year going into a linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, is choosing to retire for health reasons. He has suffered a few concussions in college, did not suffer one in the NFL this year, but he says, no, I'm done. I, I've just I've seen too much. I don't want to do it. He's 24 years old. Probably would be safe to say at this point, not set for life monetarily. Uh, the 49ers can actually recoup some of the signing bonus. Don't know if they will yet. Uh, and I hope to God they do the right thing and don't try to recoup it for something like this. Um, the ma- majority of the reaction has been somewhat positive towards this. Uh, there have been some incredibly stupid people who, who've called him a baby and or worse. Uh, I also believe one of the, uh, yes, the uh, the Green Bay Packers director of player personnel, Elliot Wolf, tweeted out, uh, quote, anyone worried about the future of football should see the amount of calls and emails we get from kids literally begging to get into pro days, which comes off as maybe one of the most smarmy, self-serving tweets i've seen uh since microsoft tried to uh talk about the drm and always on connection they need for their xbox one uh this is that that was terrible most other people though seem to be understanding and so wes is is this is this the watershed moment when a when someone said i saw what happened to junior Seau and i don't want that to happen to me 
Well, I mean, here's the thing. You will always, the monetary, the ability to make the monetary amount that football offers, you will always have a steady stream of people who will do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Yeah. As long as you're going to pay them, there, you will never have a problem finding people to do it. Um, what you are seeing and what you have seen now and what you're seeing in the NFL, because this is the one making headlines because of how old he is, because yes. he's only been in one year. I believe he made about $420,000 this year. Uh, that sounds right. I'm trying to in other the words, Yeah. As you said, far from being set for life. Yeah. Nice, nice payday. Nice, nice year. Um, has going back to school for his master's. You know, this is a kid who, you know, this, you know, with his education level, obviously he's a pretty smart guy. Um, this may go down as his highest earning year ever. Might not. Might yeah. not. You know, you can't say it definitely will. <clears throat> um, but it was a good payday. Um, what you could see, this guy, you know, the one that really just blew me off the map was actually his teammate, Patrick Willis. Yeah. Here's why that one really blew me off the map. Patrick Willis is an elite NFL linebacker. Mm-hmm. For about a five-year spell, he was considered the best linebacker in football. Hands down, no argument. This is a guy who, even at the age of 30, 30, that's right, he's an old man at 30, he still had three, he probably still had another three years easy of very high market value contract left. And he walked away. Yeah. That's the one that caught me because, you know, yes, you got a kid here who, he he had played himself into, he was going to make some money. Don't get me wrong. This kid was never, also never going to be called the best linebacker in football. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> he was never going to be a, no doubt about it, all pro. He was not that kid. He was not that good. He was very good, but he was not that good. When that guy walks away from the game at the age of 30 and is like, fuck it, I'm done, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. To me, that could be more the trend of the future. Is just, you know, guys when they're 28 or 29 saying, I've had enough. And when you start losing superstars in their in what should be their prime, mm-hmm. that's where it could get a little interesting. Um, but of course, here's the deal. What what position moves the dial in the NFL? Uh, hard hits. Well, no, I say oh. I said what position? Oh, what position? Oh, quarterback. Sorry, exactly quarterback. And I do not with it now. You know, now the other thing, quarterback is a completely different earning potential than anyone else in football. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe other than an ultra elite defensive lineman or offensive tackle, um, those guys are still going to play a long time because you know you. You can assess risk a lot more as a quarterback. You can really figure out more what you're going to see as a quarterback than you can as a linebacker or playing in the trenches. If well, well I'll tell you this, and this I didn't even realize this. Jake Locker retired this week. 
Oh, you didn't hear about that one? Yeah. I hadn't heard about that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jake Locker's fucking 25. He was a first-round draft pick. Yep. If Jake Locker had been a better NFL quarterback, I think that one would have sent shockwaves through everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that would have been the one. If he was if he was a legit, entrenched starting quarterback who retired at 25. But, of course, you know, Locker plays a very – he played a very – physical quarterback style. Mm-hmm. He did. He was a very athletic. He didn't mind taking off and running. He would put his head down. That, that was just Jake Locker. Um, this kid doing it, I think, I think between him, Willis, Locker, a few other guys, I think, I think you're, you're going to see a door opened. You're not going to get a flood of players through it. Because also when you take a look at these guys, you're looking at guys who, I don't think any of them, Patrick Willis included, none of those guys were, you know, we're just pushing you through school so you can go to the NFL. Right. I think these were more intelligent guys as well. You know, you, I'm sorry. I, I hope this doesn't come across wrong or wrong of me saying it, um, but I, I was a football player. I know plenty of guys who can't, who can't spell football, but damn, they could read a defense. <laughs> No, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And for those guys, that's it. That That is their way to make a living. You know, so for them, they're going to do whatever they've got to do because that's the only way for them to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're going to start seeing guys who have options. That's going to be the big key is what are your options? Do you have any other earning potential Doing going something with a degree, something about going to school. Do you have actual earning potential? If not, yeah. I mean, and, and that guy, the the GM was or was a assistant player personnel director. I don't know what you said. Oh, oh, the Packers guy. Yeah, he's yeah. the uh, director he, of player personnel. Yeah, he sounded like a smarmy, smug asshole. But he was so on the money; it wasn't funny. <laughs> no, it's true. It, 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 what he's saying is right. Yes. Um, he's just being a douchebag well, about it. That's all. Yes. Football players are gladiators. They're the closest thing to modern day gladiators that we have. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, look no further than you know, um, look no further than the movie Any Given Sunday. Yeah. Which, while that is a very over the top movie, it gives an idea into the thought process of a lot of guys, where it's you know. I will do literally anything to get this next paycheck. Or like the ESPN series playmakers that the NFL absolutely hated. Loved that show. It was so good. It was a very good show. Um, But those guys, you know, you saw just this mentality where I will do anything for that next paycheck. You can tell me to my face, this is going to take three years off the end of your life. And got I don't care. Yeah. And you know when you look at you know, um, obviously Sayal is the huge name now. You know when you look at uh, Mike Webster, when you look at Dave Dewerson, mm-hmm. I mean those guys died in their forties and fifties, and they had brains that looked like ninety-year-old Alzheimer's patients. I'm sorry, at the end of the day, was it really worth it to have all that money 
and all that glory and all the fame, was it really worth it at the end of the day when you're dead and your children are still running around in diapers? Or, you know, you should have another 25, 30 years to live. Is it really worth the money? Well, and then I I think to me, one of the worst things about it is how the NFL keeps trying to say that there's not a problem. Like today, there it came out an article where a doctor for the NFL said that youth football is safer than riding a bike. Oh, my God. Uh, he says, the problem of CTE, oh. although real, is being over-exaggerated. It's a rare phenomenon. Uh, and he claimed the NFL has never been safer. And I just... I, it's, he says the exact incidence of CTE among NFL players is still uncertain, but Maroon's claim that CTE is rare is contradicted by most recent research, such as the fact that 76 of 79 deceased NFL players examined at Boston University's CTE Center were found to have CTE. And I'm taking that from a Vox.com article uh, written by Joseph Stromberg. 76 out of 79. I bet the three other ones were kickers. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, the know. NFL just keeps they, – they do this to themselves. Like if they just came out and said, we have a problem. We need to keep looking into this. Please, we know this is hard. We're going to keep doing all we can. But, yes, we recognize that there is an issue and we're, we're taking steps to work forward. This this does you know this is while it doesn't come off as smarmy like the Packers player personnel yeah. director does, this yeah. this just comes off as mouthpiecey like Roger Goodell's hand is up his butt and making him say this. I mean this I is mean, I mean we're we're gonna get into so raw later Ed, mm-hmm. but I mean that is so that 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 sounds so much like something like you know that would come out of would come out of pro wrestling yeah. Where, you know, it's not safe. It's not safe. The good guy, it's not safe. And the evil authority figure gets a, a non-legitimate doctor to come on and say, no, it's absolutely safe. I have personally studied it, and there are no problems here. And, you know, if you were at pro wrestling, you'd be like, oh, this is obviously a setup. This is, Boo this man. Boo. <laughs> boo. But, oh, my God. I mean, Ed, I, I'll just tell you straight up. I have a 10-year-old son. He's lazy as shit, so it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, right now, Ed, I would have an extremely hard time putting him on a football field. And this is coming from a guy who, obviously, I mean, you and I, we every Friday night in the fall, we're at a football game. We love high school and college football. Love college football. Love it. I mean, absolutely. Both of them. We love it. I mean, we, we go to state championship high school games when we have no reason to. It's true. We did. We love it. We go spend the day because we love the sport of football. We love the game. But I, I just, I just almost wonder if nowadays it's just becoming almost an unnecessary risk. Yeah. But the biggest problem is there is so much money in the college and the pro game that, you know, it's not that's not gonna change anytime soon. And once again, when you look at a lot of the players who are NFL players, when you look at socioeconomic backgrounds, football is a way out and a way to absolutely change your life. Mm-hmm. 
and you're gonna have guys. I mean, it's like it's like they said, there will be a never-ending stream of guys willing to put it on the line for the reward. Because every single person, Ed, what do they say? It won't happen to me. Right. I mean, hey, we get on people get on airplanes every day. We know that there's a chance an airplane would crash. But we get on that airplane and we say, eh, won't happen to me. Because if we did if we thought differently, no one would get on an airplane. Yeah. You're right. So uh, that's kind of my soapbox on that. And I don't really have anything else to add. That's kind of my soapbox. Uh, for the young man for the 49ers, I say bravo. You've taken your life, you took your life into your hands now, into your own hands. Mm-hmm. And I have nothing bad to say about that at all. No, I, I think I think there's nothing bad you can say about him. I think the people who, who said he quit on his team are just stupid idiots who are living in a exactly. testosterone-fueled fantasy exactly. land at this point. Because here's my quick response on that. If that kid next year went out and had a terrible season, they would cut him so fast oh, his yeah. head would spin. Oh, yeah. There's no loyalty, especially in the NFL. Loyalty is dead. Loyalty is how fast can I get out of this contract. Mm-hmm. And how easy can I get this contract? That's loyalty in the NFL. You are, and that's that's pro sports in general. That's all of it. We like the soccer. We like you know the football. We like the baseball. You are a commodity mm-hmm. when you are no longer producing um, at the level that you're being paid at. They will get rid of you at the absolute first chance they can. So Certainly. fuck loyalty in the NFL, man. Yeah, it's it's you are a resource, and businesses want to use yep. their resources as well as they can. Absolutely. So, yeah, you're right. I I have nothing to add to this. You're you're exactly right. I mm. it's it's just so 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 depressing uh, that it's come to this. But hopefully, this maybe opens up a few more people's eyes and says, "Hey, maybe I don't have to do this. Maybe." And this is not gonna. This is not gonna destroy the NFL overnight. This is not gonna destroy the NFL in ten to fifteen years. <laughs> But down the line, I, I don't think it will destroy the NFL because I still think you're going to have, you're still going to have so many. You're, I mean, you're, you're, you still have a never-ending supply of guys who will do it. Yeah, it's not going. It's not going to kill the NFL. It just opens some eyes. That's it. Yeah. All right, Wes. Let us head into Watch Four. What are you watching in the week that was and the week that will be besides your Champions League DVR football? I have a new show. Woo! Really? Because I am such a girl. On the E Network, debuting this past weekend, E Network original called The Royals. Oh, I saw promos from this. Elizabeth Hurley's in it. Yes. Elizabeth Hurley plays the Queen of England. I uh, wish the Queen of England looked like that. Oh, my sweet God. She looks amazing on that show. That woman, I believe she's probably in her mid 40s. Oh no, I think she's older than that. But. Oh my god, she well. I mean, <laughs> she has she has the body of like a 23-year-old bikini model. She is spectacular. Um it, it was a fun show. I watched the pilot episode uh, on my sick day on Monday. Nice. Um it, it was fun. I've got it on DVR to keep recording. Um it's a very TMZ-ish <laughs> look into the lives of the royals. Um, my favorite, my favorite quote, Ed, and I, I can't get it word for word. My favorite quote in the first one, uh, well, basically the premise, the premise of the first one was, um, the oldest son, the heir to the throne has died. 
Oh, no. Haven't totally heard how he died. It sounds like he died in military service. Um, there is then a, a middle son. Well, there are then twins. The two younger are twins. They're both um, probably late college age, say 21, 22-ish. Um, a boy and a girl, so a prince and a princess. Um, while they're standing uh, before going outside to face the nation on the day of the funeral, the uh, the I guess he would be a, a duke or something because he was the king's younger brother made the comment uh, the very arrogant um, yeah, a little sociopathic uh, king's younger brother <laughs> said uh, said I hate them all the way down to uh, um, he said something their their union jacks waving and their sweaty dirty football shirts. I hate them all. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, yes, we got one football reference in here. I'm just yeah. waiting for John Terry to uh, show up and shag someone's wife. Oh, that, he's going to shag the Queen of England. He's going to shag Liz Hurley. And then suddenly everyone's going to walk in and be like, wait, we weren't even filming a scene. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, wait, you're John Terry. What the hell? Oh, why not? We'll, we'll we'll put this in somehow, I guess. Uh, Elizabeth Hurley, forty nine years old. She'll be oh, fifty. Geez. She'll be fifty in June. Oh, amazing, buddy! Amazing. Yes, yes, she is. Um, of course, the woman who made that dress. If you don't know what that dress is, just Google it. What's that dress? Um, I watching uh, the return of Community. Season 6 on Yahoo screen. It's gone from the dredges of NBC. Who needs who needs over-the-air stations anymore? We're just going straight to the internet. Uh, community starring Joel McHale, Allison Brie, and um, Jillian Jacobs. Uh, on, uh, we used to be on NBC, ran for five seasons. Dan Harmon is back as the uh, producer, and it, it's just off to a really good start. First two episodes came out. On Tuesday, watched them both. Uh, they're just really, really great. Uh, Paget Brewster has joined on as a uh, a series regular, as well as I believe maybe one of the original Ghostbusters. I, I forget which I, I um, original Ghostbusters. Yes. Okay, uh, Harold Ramis is dead. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm sure you would know Bill Murray or Dan Aykroyd if you saw them. That's true. Um. Was it the black guy? It is a black guy, that's and I, I hate I, I hate being pejorative like that. What's his that's name? Ernie Hudson. Uh, I think that's actually who it is. Ernie um, Hudson's amazing. Yes, it is Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Ernie Ernie Hudson is becoming a a, a regular on a community as well as a but as we a like Ernie Hudson. He is he played Winston Zedmore and was fantastic. Yeah, he uh, he's been in a whole lot of stuff, uh, but he has taken his turn on Community season six. Uh, and he looks to be a fantastic old character, kind of replacing Chevy Chase's character to an extent. Uh, also, still the meta humor is there, which I love so much. Uh, it's just, it's so good to have Community back. Unfortunately, just 13 episodes for season six. But we made it to season six, so that means next year, movie! Hashtag six seasons in a movie. All right, uh, Wes. It's time for So Raw. Oh, girl. Urge your loins, America, and the rest of the world. Yeah. Lube, lube your inner thighs and watch for chafing because it's time to get so raw. 
our big stories of the week on Raw as we are now two, counting them two weeks away from WrestleMania. Yes. Of course, at the time you hear this, we're actually a little less than a week and a half away. Uh, Monday, Monday will be the Go Home Raw, uh, which basically means uh, the Raw before WrestleMania, the Raw right at the night after WrestleMania, two of the biggest Raws of the year. Mm. Um, the Raw after WrestleMania, probably the most fun Raw of the year. Okay, here's what we are set up for. John Cena, as, as you hummed his, his hymn. Yes, I did. Ed, as he says, your time is up. My time is now. And it is now time for Rusev to get his comeuppance. Ed, they got all 80s on us. Right down to a guy uh, representing Rusev with a really, really bad fake Russian accent. Nice. It was fantastic. Just magical. If you get a chance, just watch it for the accent. And the fact that he was actually trying to come off as a real Russian was just beyond epic. I mean, one of the worst acting jobs of all time. Apparently, Vince McMahon is actually really pissed about that. Um, As I wrote in my notes, Cena and Rusev get all 80s. We are are looking at Stallone versus uh, Drago. Can I pause something really quick? Absolutely. Do you mean to say you have notes for So Raw? Of course I do. Oh my god, you are a true professional, sir. This is this is this is a big one this this week. I had to make sure I had everything right written down that I needed to hit. Usually on Raw, I can just hit one or two little things. There are multiple, multiple. Things. Oh, please go, please go. Hit it. Let's say you know we're getting very eighties here. It's uh. It, it's kind of funny because John Cena keeps referring to America as the underdog who has to come out fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I, I am a, I'm, I'm a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. Fight for what's right, fight for what's right, Hulk Hogan. Anyway, <laughs> um, Ed, yes. when exactly were Americans the underdogs last? Aren't we kind of like... You know, the Revolutionary War, I would say. The preeminent superpower of the world. Yeah, it's it's been about... If not economically anymore, militarily at least. Yeah. So, and, and also here's John Cena comparing himself to that underdog America. John Cena has is the 16-time world heavyweight champion who, with his next world title reign, will tie the venerable Ric Flair... For all-time title reigns. So, John Cena comparing himself in America to gritty underdogs, just... John Cena, I don't think you understand what gritty underdog means. Yeah. We we may need to work on that. But anyway, it's gonna. I I think it's going to be a really good, really fun match at Mania coming up. Uh, If nothing else, the physicality is going to be fantastic in that match. Um, Taking a look down, Roman Reigns. Ed, yes. you're a fan. And this week, Roman Reigns, he, he talked on the mic. And he, he has a new t-shirt. Nice. And he literally read his t-shirt into his promo. Nice. Not awkward at all. No. But here's the deal. The man he's facing, Brock Lesnar, the only man in history who has been the wrestling world heavyweight champion and also the UFC world heavyweight champion, that means he fights for real. Yeah. 
he he cut a fantastic uh, taped promo. Uh, giving Brock a live mic is never really a good idea, but if you get him in a tape in a video recorded um, session, you can you can get some really good things. And he just sounded like a complete badass. And he um, he kind of summed everything up when he said he said, "Really, I'm going to WrestleMania for one thing." And that's to fuck up Roman Reigns. Nice. nice. Of course, they bleeped out the fuck on television for the children, of course. Of course. But um, it was just a fantastic, it was like, oh, shit, this is badass moment. Um, and then we come, well, two more things. Before we get to the big finale, uh, the intercontinental title picture, which has been really overlooked over probably the last seven, eight years, uh, getting a really, really good spot at WrestleMania this year. At this point, we are up to a seven-participant ladder match. And, Ed, if you don't know how a ladder match works, which I'm doubting you've ever watched one. Uh, no, you, uh, you you have to get the ladder, and there's a briefcase hanging, so you have to climb the ladder to okay. get the briefcase. Uh, well, instead of a briefcase, this time it is actually the Intercontinental title belt. Okay. So, but yes, exact, exact concept. I've, I've seen uh, enough Benoit on Benoit on Benoit WWE 2K15 yeah. ladder matches to know what it is. There you go. Benoit was, uh, Benoit has been a part of a few and continues to be on in eternity uh, via, via people hacking into WWE's database and creating him somehow. To which I thank you so much. <laughs> because his name has been banned from ever being spoken <laughs> on WWE television again. Um but uh, there's some real star power in this year. That's always been the thing. It's always been, eh, you know, no one really cares about these guys. But this year you've got, obviously, the man I call wrestling Jesus, Dean Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, who is super, super over with the fans. Um, Bad News Barrett, who you know from his appearance on Men in Blazers, which obviously makes him an international superstar. Of course. Um, Luke Harper, Stardust. Don't worry about that. I'll, I'll explain another time. Uh, North Carolina's own R Truth, who I still can't figure out how he's in there. He raps. Yeah, he's from Greensboro and he raps. Word. But to top it off, the star power is brought by Daniel Bryan, who a year ago in this exact event at WrestleMania was the talk of the wrestling universe. As he won the World Heavyweight Championship this year, he is in this Intercontinental Ladder match. So it really gives it some real star power. And that's what they're looking for. Um, Both the secondary titles, John Cena's fighting for one, Daniel Bryan's fighting for the other. They can't ask for anything better for their secondary titles than two of the biggest stars in the business to be involved in those matches. So somebody actually made a pretty good decision on those. And then, Ed, to top off the night, um, while Dean Ambrose may be my wrestling Jesus, Seth Rollins is my personal goat of the moment. Uh, You know, greatest of all time at the moment. We change that. That happens in wrestling. Uh, Seth Rollins, who is the number one heel character right now in WWE, um, a, a program with Randy Orton, that actually began back in November when he twice, twice, twice curb stomped Randy Orton's head onto steel steps, putting Orton out for over three months. Orton and Rollins will finally have a match at WrestleMania to settle the score. Um, throughout the show, 
Um, it was seen that Rollins was alienating himself from his backup, his uh, people who watched his back, the authority. And then uh, at the end of the show, he had gotten Randy Orton into the ring, and here comes the authority, and they're all surrounding the ring to attack Randy Orton. When all of a sudden the lights go out, the call of the crow is heard. Nice. And when the lights come back on, the legend Sting is in the ring, helps Randy Orton clear out the ring. Sting, of course, scheduled to take on uh, WWE's C. O-O-C-F-O, I don't know what he is, uh, but Triple H, who is actually in real life a top executive. Uh, he is Vince McMahon's son-in-law. He will be taking on Sting at WrestleMania. Sting helps uh, Orton clear the ring, and we have a very uh, highly climatic ending to Raw on Monday night. And now the go-home show coming up on Monday. Ed, I'm not going to lie. I'm getting a bit of a bit of the thickening. I love the thickening. They've got me. They've got me. I was not sold it would happen. Nice. But they have brought it around. The writers have yet to fluff their lines. Good. Good. It's, it's, it's coming off. It's coming off. Love to hear. Well, that is going to do it for episode 46 of the All New Sports Show. Uh, again, to put us over one more time, we are at All New Sports Show. Wes, you are? I'm at Wes Bradshaw 21. I'm at Edward Green. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can email us. You can plain old mail us. Uh, links to those are in the podcast description. Of course, we want to thank NGSC Sports for helping us present this podcast to you. Uh, you can check them out at ngscsports.com or at NGSC Sports. We never stop. You can listen to this podcast there. You can listen to it on Spreaker. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. You can listen to it on Stitcher Radio, the iTunes Music Store, or Podbean.com. So thanks to all our providers. Uh, thanks to producer Dez for doing another great pod. Uh, Wes, anything to say before we go? Um, all you uh, kids who forgot to sign up for 10-year-old baseball and pop tops, <laughs> sorry, we're closed. And um, as for good old Coach Wes, I'm, uh, I'm sitting on one and a half pitchers this year. Um, ooh, it could be a rough spring. Oh, it's going to be fun. We'll keep up with that as we go through. Next week will be episode 47, but this has been episode 46 of the All-New Sports of the Podcast. Good night, good luck, everyone, and go Wichita State. Good night, Taiwan. Oh, I can't wait to get a little Tamadachi from them. Uh, that, that quote was probably made in Taiwan. So. Yes, it was. Yeah, I, I just like